Lord, you're so good. And your great heart of love, it just amazes us over and over and over again. And I just pray this morning that your extravagant love will be just poured upon each one of our hearts, wherever we need it, wherever our hearts hurt, Lord. Everyone's heart hurts somewhere. And there are so many things that crush us as we walk through life. And so we just pray, I just pray that this morning your love will be outpoured upon us in new and fresh ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I wish you would put up Psalm 139 in the Message Bible, if that's possible, so that we can read it together. I'd like you to read some of the verses with me, because when we engage ourselves together, then we're both thinking about the same thing. Okay. I'll read a verse, and then if you'll read a verse back with me. A a David Psalm, God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. Together, I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. Together, you know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there, then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. Together, This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight together? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, together you'd find me in a minute. You're already there, waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. Together? It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. Together? I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking, body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life are all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them together. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand on the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. And please, God, do away with wickedness for good. And you murderers out out of here. All the men and women who belittle you God, infatuated with cheap God imitations, see how I hate those who hate you, God. See how I loathe all this godless arrogance. Hate it with pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. 
my, powerful words, aren't they? Powerful words. And I want to talk, um, of course, the theme is sanctity of human life, but I want to say to us that sanctity of human life is most frequently in our world connected with unplanned pregnancies and abortion, but it goes way beyond, way beyond those things. Sanctity of human life speaks to every part of our living and the way we esteem God's creation, which is us, which he has created, and how we treat it. We, have, we live in a world where we are broken as people and pretend so well that nothing is broken. And the Christian world has done a huge disservice to all of us in that respect because we are hurting people. When we come to church, we come to a hospital. We come to a place where people need help. You need help, and I need help. And if we just continue to perpetuate a lie that all is well and that everything is okay and that we're just these kind of tough superhuman beings that can just conquer everything that comes our way and we have no problems, we're just perpetuating a lie. And that's not what Christianity is about. Jesus said that he came to set the captives free and that the truth would set us free. And the truth is that there's brokenness in our lives, all of our lives. And yes, we come to Jesus and we get saved, and that's wonderful. He comes into our lives. He changes us. He delivers us from things, and, and our lives are changed. But it doesn't heal all the brokenness instantly. I have not seen that. I have not witnessed that in people's lives. There are still places of hurt and woundedness that have been covered, that have been not talked about. And God loves you. God loves me. He loves us. And he loves us in our brokenness. He doesn't just love us when we're well. Somehow, somebody's given us this idea that God only loves you when you're well. And that's crazy. I'm sorry, but we got to lose that. we got to flush that one down the toilet. God loved us while we were yet sinners, before we ever even thought of him. And in our brokenness, and with our wounds, and with the things that have gone wrong in our lives, and with the places that we just have covered up the pain, and covered up and hidden the stuff, God loves us just the way we are. And life is sacred. Our life is sacred to him. He breathed life into us, and he cares about our life. He cares about your life. Whether you've killed someone, or whether you've lied, or whether you've committed adultery, or whether someone's committed adultery against you, or whether you've had an abortion, or whether you're into pornography, or whether you're an abusive person, or you've been abused, or whether you're addicted to something, or whether you struggle with suicide and depression, or whether you've been raped, or been the victim of incest, or performed incest on someone, these are all issues in our world. They're in the church, I want to tell you that. They're in our lives. And we're so ashamed to share the truth with one another and to say, I'm hurting. I was raped as a child, or I was hurt by this, or this is something I've never gotten to be able to get out in the open and be healed of. 
And I know we can't just come and you know, dump that all out in the open instantly when we get to know one another, I understand that. But in time, and as we get to know one another, as we fellowship with one another, we have to start to become real with one another and to get into one another's lives to be able to extend God's healing hand of forgiveness and love and compassion to one another. We can't kick people out because something has gone wrong in their lives. The church has done that many times. I've seen it in my life where I've known people that have fallen and had a problem and they just got kicked out. And nobody ever wanted to have anything to do with them again. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what the Bible teaches us, is it? God loves, God loves everyone, all of us. We've all done wrong, we all do wrong. And God still keeps on loving us. And some of us have just been hurt so bad by church that we just don't want nothing to do with church, even though we show up sometimes. And God wants to heal us. God is about healing. And God is about, God is real. And he's about being real and about reality. And it doesn't matter what your struggle is. You don't need to be embarrassed that you have a struggle. And Pastor and I's heart is, is to continue to create and foster love in, in this place that is open and that enables you to come and to say, this is where I hurt. And would you pray with me? Would you believe God with me? And to know that you're not going to be judged or cast out or thrown aside or thought of as a person that is not worthy. None of us are worthy. God just gave us the gift of his salvation. He moved heaven and earth to love on us and to rescue us. And he loves you no matter what, no matter what it is. And so I, I pray that, that's in, that that piece alone is encouraging to you. And um, I want to tell you a little bit of my story, not because I think it's the perfect story of, um, in any, not, not for that reason, not to set myself up in your pity or admiration, not, neither one, but just simply to show you that God will be, God is in the worst places. He knows how to extend his hand of help to us. And if we clasp it, see, there's, there's two parts. We have to get to the place where we're willing to receive God's help. As long as we're in what they call denial, right? As long as we deny the problem and say, I have no problems. I, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm all right. Just don't, you know, don't bother with me. <laughs> as long as we do that, we can't really go forward. We really, really doesn't help us. But as soon as we'll say, oh God, I need help. I don't know what to do. I need help. As soon as we'll do that, God's hand of help is always outstretched. And our part is to grab that hand and to say, yes, Lord, thank you. And you know what? He doesn't just yank us out of our trouble. It's a gentle, tender hand. And he gently holds our hand and, and takes us out. As, as long as we walk with him, as long as we let him, allow him, he'll work with us. And so I pray that is a comfort to your heart. And that you will allow it. That if you've hardened your heart, if you've closed yourself into some place of pain, many of us, I've heard some of your stories, I haven't heard all of them, but some of, you have, uh, some of you have told me some pretty painful, horrible things. Some of you have shared things with me about others that you know that have been hurt pretty badly. And sometimes we just close ourselves in and we say, okay, that's it, I'm finished. I'm finished. 
But Jesus isn't finished. <laughs> he doesn't want us to stay in there. He wants to bring us out of that painful box and heal our hearts. Because when he, when he can do that for us, we'll reach out our hand as an extension of his to others who are hurting and say to them, you know what, I know that Jesus loves you. And I know that he can help you too. When I was a little girl, we uh, read a book that, I guess probably read this book almost in, in those years as probably as much as I read the Bible, called Pilgrim's Progress. And it's an old story, and you have to kind of be able to endure Old English to be able to read it. Sometimes I think there are some modern versions of it. But it's, 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 great. it's a great allegory, and it's pretty simple. He doesn't, like, hide the allegory. It's pretty out there in the open. And the story is about a man who lives in the city of destruction. I think you'll see the... the, the parallels pretty, pretty clearly right there in your face. He lives in the city of destruction, and he starts to feel burdened, and he starts to feel his sin, and he starts to feel weighted down, and he starts to feel like, oh, what am I going to do? I need somebody to help me. Where? And he didn't know, doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know what to do. So one day, as he's in this condition, someone comes to him, a man named Evangelist, an evangelist says to him, like I told you, it's pretty obvious <laughs> out there. He says to him, what's wrong with you? Why are you walking around like this, moaning and groaning and crying? He says to him, well, he says, I have this terrible burden on my back. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get rid of it. Somebody told me to go here, and that didn't work. Somebody told me to go there, that didn't work. So evangelist gives him this message that says, flee from the wrath to come. And the man says, but where should I go? I don't know where to go. An evangelist points him in the right direction. He says, look that way. He says, do you see the gate in that direction? He says, I don't see anything. He said, well, do you see, she, he said, do you see a little light over there, there in that direction between those two hills? He said, yeah, I think I do. He said, well, you go towards that light, he said, and there somebody will tell you how to get rid of your burden. So he figured he tried everything else. He's going to go and he's going to try and find out how he's going to get rid of this burden. So he goes to his family and he says, sayonara, I'm out of here. I found out a, way, I found out a place I could go to get rid of this burden, and so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go. And they cry and they carry on and they say, no, no, don't go, don't go. But he's determined. And so he has this one friend whose name is Pliable. And Pliable comes along <laughs> and Pliable says, oh, that sounds good. He says, he says, I think I'll come along with you. So Pliable joins him, and they walk, and he starts reading to him out of this um, book that the evangelist had given him, and he's telling him, you know, they're talking and talking, but they're not watching where they're going. And as they're walking and talking, all of a sudden they don't notice it, but there's this great big, like, mud hole, slimy, quicksandy, you know, mud hole, and they fall into it. Before you know it, they're both in there. And Pliable, he says, what's this, he says, yeah, I thought you told me we were going to a beautiful place and, and you were going to get rid of your burden. He says, now look at us. He says, look, look where we are. He says, this is terrible. He says, I'm getting out of here. If I can get out of here, he says, I'm, I'm going back home. He said, this is terrible. So poor man, he didn't know what to do. Sure enough, Pliable pulled him, was able to pull himself out, doesn't turn to help his friend out of the, of the pit. <laughs> Ever been there? And... Uh, runs back home, and the poor man, his name was Graceless at that time, is left in this pit, this mud pit. 
struggling, struggling. He has this heavy burden on his back. He can't get out. He doesn't know how to get out. He's trying. He's pulling. But the weight from the, the weight from the sin, the weight from the depression, the weight from the guilt, the weight from all that life has, has piled on him makes it impossible for him to get out. And, you know, sometimes we forget when we to see other people that, you know, we want to say to them, come on, just get over it, you know, just, just get over it. Well, you know what? It's not possible. Sometimes it's just not possible for us to get out. He couldn't get out of the, uh, of the mud pit he was in. And many of us have been in mud pits, or maybe we still feel like we're in a mud pit somewhere. I got news for you, though. He didn't stay there. <laughs> he, yes, he didn't stay there. Here come running a man whose name was Help with his hand outstretched. And he said, what happened? What are you doing in there? And he said, oh, we were talking and we fell in here. And Help reached out his hand and he pulled him out of that mud pit and set him on the right course again. And that story, God has, there's much more to that story. I'm not here to tell you that whole story today. If you want to get it and read it, you can read the rest of it. But that picture of Mr. Help coming and pulling, pulling him out of that mud pit. God, God imparted that story into my heart many different times in my life, through many different ways, and he, he allowed it to touch my heart. Little did I know that one day I'd been, be in a mud pit of my own and desperately need Mr. Help to come and extend his hand of help to me. But again, you see, there were the two sides. There was help with the hand extended, and there was the response of grasping the hand outstretched and saying, yes, I want to be pulled out of this mud hole. And so years went by. I grew up, as you know, a preacher's kid in a good home, loved dearly, cherished, knowing that I was cherished and loved, but ended up um, being married to a man who was supposed to be an associate pastor. Well, that was his title. Um, but he was a good pretender, and he um, was abusive, and um, he was homosexual, and he was a pedophile. And I didn't even hardly know what those words meant when we were first married. And there were people that were not happy that, about our marriage, um, but... Um, I just thought that it was, I, of course, I worked so closely with my, my parents and, and all, and I just felt that it was sort of a concern that I, I was, my responsibilities, I was not going to be able to perform my responsibilities as I had previously. And so I just felt people were a little bit upset about all the changes that it was going to um, bring about into everyone's lives and didn't really heed the warning signals um, that were there to say, wait a minute, this is a bad bad situation because there were there were warning signals and I should have heeded them but I didn't and um, right from the very beginning it was abusive and it was not good and um, nobody none of the women in our church spoke about any problems in their lives they didn't have problems and if they did they just praised the Lord and they were fine and I was angry because I felt that that had to be a lie <laughs> and that they were doing me a huge disservice because I didn't know what to do. I was beside myself. 
My parents had had a good marriage and loved one another dearly, and I didn't, that never even, really, they didn't fight in front of us, so I didn't even have any skills on how to, um, how to stand up for myself or how to be combative in any way, shape, or form, none whatsoever. And um, so I, I, I went through a very, very terrible, very terrible time. And as time went by, it got worse and worse and worse until um, he was finally put out of a ministry and um, drinking and doing drugs and I was showering him and um, not sleeping through the nights because I didn't know when he would come home or not. And um, it, was, it, was, it was a dreadful time. I, I used to cry every day. I didn't think I was ever going to stop crying. I didn't know how to get out of this mud pit that I found myself in. And I thought God had forgotten me. And I was surrounded by darkness, tremendous darkness, the powers of, of darkness that dwelt in him I lived with. And it, it was in my home, and it surrounded me to such a tremendous degree that I started to wake up screaming in the middle of the night. And when that started to happen, I knew that wasn't normal. <laughs> and it was so hard because the power and the manipulation and the forces that come with that kind of situation, abuse, are powerful, they're strong, and they twist your mind, and they suck you in, and it's not, you know, people say, oh, just get out, just, just get out. It wasn't so easy to just get out. And so I didn't know what to do. I was beside myself, and um, my parents feared for my mental health because I was getting to the, close to the brink. I couldn't sing anymore. I would come into church and sit down. I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. As soon as I started to open my mouth and try to sing, the tears would just flow. I couldn't sing anymore. And I was crushed and I was broken indeed. And one day I said to the Lord, I said, and Lord, I don't even know how you could help me if you came down out of heaven yourself and showed me what to do. <laughs> and you know what? God didn't kick me out. For that he heard my my he heard my cry and he he pretty much did that he came down out of heaven pretty much and had somebody hand me a book and the person was afraid I was in such a fragile condition that they were afraid to give me the book and they said to me Ruth Joy um, I don't know if this book will help you I, I don't even know if you should read it but somebody gave it to me and I just thought maybe I should pass it on to you. And I said, it's okay, it's all right. <laughs> I'm all right, it's okay. You could give it to me. And as I sat down, my grandmother, while well, I was living in my grandmother's home at that time, I sat down, she had passed away that summer. And um, this guy had been abusive to her as well, very cruel to her. And he was pretending in the church that it was my father who was real cruel to, to his mother. And meanwhile, the truth was, you see the lie, the world has so many lies. So many lies that, that we buy into. And so he propagated the lie, and meanwhile, it was just the opposite way. Anyway, I sat down in her room, in her rocker, and as I sat down and opened that book and started to read it, it was suddenly as if I knew that if God had walked into the room and handed me this book, I was just that sure that he had put this book in my hands, and that whatever it said, it was going to help me. And if I, if I took it, if I, if I embraced it. And so as I read that book, I knew it was for me. 
And, I, and what, it, what it told me was that even as a Christian, I had a right to say that's not acceptable and I don't want to be a participant of what your lifestyle is and your evil actions and what's going on here. And it's not okay with me. And I, I needed that. I, I just didn't know that that was okay for me to say. And that may sound silly to you, but you have to understand from, from where I came. And so as I understood it, as I took it in, I started to take baby steps forward, let me tell you. But that, that book was God's hand of help being extended to me. And so I willingly grasped it. And I didn't jump out of the mud hole, but <laughs> I took baby steps. And every time I took a baby step forward, suddenly it was like somebody took a, a, a machete and cut the sky open around me, the blackness around me open. And there I felt God's love, and I felt his presence, and I felt that he was with me. And I said, I remember I said one day, oh, Lord, you're still there. <laughs> there he was. And it was after I had taken a little baby step forward, and God showed me I was going in the right direction. And it gave me courage. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to proceed. I'm not a person that thinks quick on my feet. I don't have answers fast. It takes me a while to process stuff and to come up with an answer. You know, some people are really good at, at, at be, having that, you know, the answer and the thought quickly. And I'm not. It, it takes me a while. I have, to, I have to think. And sometimes, you know, he'd come back at me with an answer and I'd, I'd know what to say. And I'd say, <laughs> I don't know what to say. And sometimes it took time. But you know what? The Lord was faithful. He understood me. And he would show me. He would, he would, he would give me the thought. And he would say, well, this is the next, you know, this is, how, this is what the answer is, little by little. And so it was baby steps. But it was his tender hand, his tender hand. If he had yanked me, you know, have you ever been to a supermarket and seeing a mother and a child having a little problem, and the mother grabs a child and yanks it because she wants it to do the right thing, you know? That, that's, that's okay, because that's the mother's job. But that's not how God does with us. He doesn't yank us out of our troubles. He gently extends his hand and says, Will you come? Will you follow me? I'll help you. I'll help you. And so it's with tender hand that he leads us forward. Um, my marriage was annulled because it was not a marriage, and um, I, God protected me. I thank him. I am humbled by that fact that he did that. And, um, of course, all of this affected the world we lived in, the church, our friends, people around us, turned their backs on us, didn't want to have nothing to do with us. We were, we were trouble. We were... <laughs> We were big X, we were not good, and um, my father, shortly, right, right after, in January, um, I was able to get out of this abusive relationship, and in April, my dad had a massive stroke, and his health had been, he had been struggling with health issues, and of course I felt responsible. I felt totally responsible, and my father died nine months later, and it was a very hurtful time, not only from what I had been through, but now my father. And I had worked with my father. I had known my father. I was, I was the light of his life. I was his pride and joy. And I had worked with him hand in hand. And so that was a, another huge pain to my heart. It was pain upon pain. 
But I found that as I walked along, God found ways, and again, it was my willingness to breathe hope back into my heart. I went to a woman's retreat, and I really didn't want to be at any woman's retreats anymore. Um, but I went, I forget why, somebody must have put pressure on me. <laughs> and um, I remember as I walked, I walked in by myself and feeling very alone. And it was cold winter day like today, and there were pine trees there, and the pine, wind was blowing through the pine trees. And there was an old song that my grandfather used to sing that said, <clears throat> Whispering Hope. I can't, I can't say the words right now, but the Lord just started... I felt like the Lord was whispering through the pine trees, whispering hope. I'm going to whisper hope back into your heart. I felt my life was over. All the worst things in the world had happened to me that could possibly happen. I had a broken marriage. My father was dead. And my life was over. That was it. There was no future. There was no hope. I didn't know that there were, I mean, I kind of had an idea maybe. But I just felt like all the worst things had happened that could happen. And that was it. It was done. And... But Jesus continued to minister to my heart. Another thing that I knew was that I needed to take time to heal. Because if I didn't heal, I was going to get right back into an abusive situation all over again. Because that's what the statistics prove. And so I said, no, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to take time to heal. And I started to look in the Bible. And I saw how Jesus was, you know who he was upset with? He was upset with those of Pharisees and scribes, those abusers, those people who put burdens on people's backs that were too hard to bear, that said, that kept them in their mud holes, that wouldn't allow them to get set free, that wouldn't extend a hand to the people who were hurting and were, were in desperate needs. What'd they do? They brought a, a woman caught in adultery. They set her up. They framed her. They, they committed adultery with her, and then they dragged her in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, what? Oh, you're too bad. I, I can't have nothing to do with you. Get out of here. I, I, I'm, I'm the son of God, you know? I mean, come on. He could have said that. If anybody had the right to do that, Jesus did. But he didn't, did he? What did he do? He said to them, whoever's without sin among you, start casting stones. And nobody could do it because they all had their own mud holes and slime pits and they all had their own stuff. And then Jesus looked at her and said, neither do I. Woman, what happened to them all? She said, oh, they're all gone. He said, and neither do I condemn you. Now go, sin no more. He lifted her. He cared about those who were downtrodden and oppressed. He cared about those hurting women. Mary Magdalene, seven demons. You want to talk about depression? You want to talk about suicidal? You want to talk about problems? This woman had problems. Seven demons could Jesus cast out of her. But what happened to Mary Magdalene? She was one of the closest ones to Jesus. She was at the cross. Who was the first one who saw him after he was raised from the dead? Mary Magdalene. We have to remember something. They lived in a culture where women had no rights, not like our world. Men didn't talk to women. Teachers, rabbis didn't talk to women. Just conversation, say, how can I help you? <laughs> that, was, that was out of the question. That was not allowed. That was not normal practice. It was a world where women were considered like a dog. The Pharisees prayed every day. I thank you that I am not, was not born a woman, a dog, or a Gentile. Because we, we, we skip over it. We don't realize how important it is. And why did this Bible preserve all those stories about women that, that God 
that Jesus stopped. He went, he said, I must needs go through Samaria to talk to the woman at the well who had five husbands. And Jesus didn't say, naughty, naughty, naughty. He said, I'm the living water. If you would drink of the water that I have, you would be okay. <laughs> and she was changed. And she went, she told everyone, I met a man who must be the Messiah. Come and hear him. And the whole town got saved. She was the first evangelist. And so I just started to see that Jesus really cared. And he knew how to give people a second chance. And so I said, Jesus, would you give me a second chance? Would you, would you please give me a second chance? And he did. And through a miraculous series of events, which I can't tell you now, sent such a man into my life that, as you know, uh, loves me beyond measure. <laughs> and I thank God for him and for his love and encouragement. I wouldn't be sharing this with you today if it wasn't for him. And I thank, I thank him for that. He's a true man of God. And it's just precious to my heart to see the redemption and the, the way God can turn things around. And so I want to tell you that there's hope. We think sometimes there's no hope in our situations. We don't see the way out. But God is God. And he loves us. And he's moved heaven and earth to reach us where we're at. And so I don't care what your problem is. It may not be like mine at all. And I don't have the answers for you. I'm not trying to tell you I have the answers. All I'm trying to tell you is I know there's a Savior who loves you and gave his life for you. And whatever is hurting you, whatever's eaten you, whatever has caused you, you shame, and whatever has, has caused you to want to hide from people and interact with one another and love one another and care for one another and get involved in each other's lives. You know, if we all knew the needs of each other right here in this room, we would start helping each other way more than we do. We would start being involved in each other's lives. And that's the body. That's what Christ is about. And that's what he would like with us. So once uh, God um, brought Alfred into my life, um, we had to close that church. And um, God just dropped in my heart that I should start um, a ministry for women. And I called it Joy Bringer Ministries. And if you go on the internet, it's there. You'll see it. And I knew that part of it was going to be someday, at least, for um, ministering to women, especially to women um, whose hearts are hurting from various, for various reasons. And initially, all I did really through that, through that website, Joybringer Ministries, was to um, preserve the history of our church and uh, my father's writings and so on and so forth. That's still there. But over the years, I've changed the site quite a bit because the real focus of that Joybringer Ministries is to reach the hurting hearts of women. And um, that, I started that in 1999. And um, not much happened with it at first. And then when we were in the Poconos, I had, um, the Lord just brought it up again to me and said, you know, it's time. It's time to do something about that. And so while we were in the Poconos, I started to... Um, Send out, I, um, my husband actually helped me um, get it up on the search engine so that people could find it when they typed in 
um, stuff about abuse and relationships and stuff like that. And I started to get emails from all over the country from women who are Christians, who are in church, who love the Lord, who often have a pastor husband or a deacon or a bishop or, or whatever, and they're being abused, and the church is saying, you know, you just submit and you just pray and you just keep on keeping on, and God will God'll, uh, zap him or whatever, whatever, whatever they say. Um, <laughs> and oftentimes using it as an excuse as a pastor to say, you know, you do what I say because I hear from God. And some of you have been in those kind of situations where pastors have told you those kind of things and said, you know, you do, you, you do what, God, what I say because, because uh, I hear from God and, and you need to do this. And that's an abuse. That's an abuse. That's not, that's not God's heart, is it? God's heart is a heart of love. And he wants us to fall so in love with him that we'll do whatever he'd like us to do, but not because somebody told us to do it, because we love him. When you love someone, you want to do what they like. You want to please them. It's just a natural response. Nobody has to tell you, well, you know, try and do what the guy likes, because if you love him, that's what you want to do. <laughs> and so um, God wants us to love him, and he wants us to get his heart of love. And so um, in the fall, I was privileged to go to CareNet Conference, and I'm almost done. I'm sorry it took so long. Um, God opened the door for me to go to CareNet Conference in September, which is the parent company to Pregnancy Resource Centers. And that was another neat part. God just kind of catapulted me into pregnancy resource centers, and I had no, no idea what they were. Well, I mean, I knew what they were, but I, that wasn't what I ever had planned to do or be involved in. It was such a God thing. God just plopped me in the middle of a bunch of healthy Christian women who loved on me and... Actually, it was the piece I needed before we could even come here because I didn't want to have much to do with Christian women anymore. <laughs> so God just used that as a healing time, as therapy for me. And um, he taught me a lot and showed me some things. And it was just wonderful, wonderful time. And then, like I said, when I came out here, I was invited onto the board at Your Loving Choices here and um, went to the CareNet conference, which um, is an incredible experience. I can't even describe it to you. They have workshops, and they have general sessions, and they just pour love on you, and pour love on you, and pour love on you, and tell you, you're on the front lines, and we appreciate you, and we're so thankful for you, and they just give, you have one, one testimony after another of the way God has touched people's lives in ways that are just incredible, and so our center here in Bloomsburg doesn't have a post-abortion track, and so I was taking that, and it was so interesting to me because it was not a piece I had ever really thought about much, and yet here I was taking this track, and afterwards I thought, well, it'll take some time, and then I'll, I'll think about it and figure it all out, and God was like, oh no, you're not taking any more time with joy, now is the time, and he's kept on sending me one person after another who's experienced the pain of abortion, and need God's healing and forgiveness and love to heal that broken place and, and to minister to that. You know, they, the parts that they don't tell us are that abortion hurts. They say a woman feels relieved after she has an abortion, and one out of every four women have had an abortion in our world today, and sometimes more than one. And abortion hurts, and what most women do is just bury the pain for more than 10 to 20, sometimes 20 years 
sometimes not telling anyone about it for a very, very long time. And God cares. God cares about the unborn child, but he also cares about the woman. And the woman starts to have low self-worth. She thinks she's worthless because I'm capable of killing my own offspring. So how can, how can God trust me with more children? If she does have children, hard for her to bond with those children. And it produces other problems, the addictions, the um, depression. All, and our world is treating all of those things. But at the root, there's that abortion. And what really needs to be ministered is God's forgiveness and God's love. And so he's been pushing me. He's been literally pushing me and saying, Ruth Joy, now is the time. Now is the time. And so he's led me to write a book that will minister to the hurts of women's hearts. And I'm doing that. And God has been opening doors in amazing ways. He gave me a connect with an artist that you're probably all familiar with. Um, you know, Footsteps in the Sand, the man who did footsteps, you know, the picture of the footsteps in the sand. And you know the one... Um, I think even this one we have on, on uh, um, Agnes Day, I think that's one of his, and some of them, some of them are incredible ones where the Lord is, is, is hugging up the prodigal. Um, you may, it's Christian artwork, and it's very powerful Christian artwork, and um, he's willing to work with me for a cover for the book, and... Um, it's just, he's willing to design, you know, to do a special artwork to just, just for the book. I want God's hand, of course, God's hand outstretched, his hand of help, and it's going to be called With Tender Hand. And um, so I'm, I'm asking you to pray for me for this process. God has opened a door for me to speak in Virginia in May um, through Jenny, who's down in, Liber in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, at her church. They have a large church there, over 800 people, and they're going to have a women's conference. And I'm going to be doing a workshop on post-abortion um, there in Virginia. And I know God is going to use this to open, 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 open more doors because it's time for healing to come to his body. And so I'm asking you to pray for me. I'm asking you, we're going to um, take the missions offering today for Joybringer Ministries to enable us to uh, get that book printed and all and to minister further to, to women in need. And um, I also want to encourage you that if you have a hurt or there's some place in your life that's really damaged, you know, if you're not willing yet to talk to someone about it, I, I pray that you'll ask God to make you willing. You know, that he's so right where we're at. If we're not willing yet, just tell him that. Be honest with him like I was when I said to him, I don't even think you could solve this problem if you came down out of heaven and showed me what to do. He, he did. He, he had the answer. He was God, imagine that. He did know how to help me, but I had to be willing. And so if you think God can't reach you and he can't help you, and you know sometimes all the stuff gets in the way, drop it at the cross, please. Drop it at the cross. Stop struggling. Drop it at the cross and say, Lord, I'm willing. I, I don't know how, but I'm willing. And you know, just that willingness opens the door, and there's that hand, and he gently leads us forward. And so I just want to pray for you today and pray that you will allow God to lead you forward from whatever, wherever place you are. And I know he will. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ask my husband to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So you, we just heard... Uh, powerful testimony 
of what the Lord has done and is doing in our lives. And so we want to take this opportunity right now, before we go any further, stay here. Yes, I will. Before we go any further, I want to ask all of you, if there's any of you here, especially women, but not necessarily just women, but if there's any women here who need healing in their bodies or in their, in their relationship or in their spirit, you don't need to come up and confess what's going on and what's happening, but if you need healing, if you want freedom, if you want the Lord to, Mr. Help is here. <laughs> and so it's not Amen. me, it's the Lord. Amen. And as my wife was saying, Help reached out his hand, Mr. Help, but she had to reach out her hand, mm -hmm. and you have to reach out your hand mm -hmm. to, meet, to let, allow God to meet you where you're at and start to pull you out of that mud hole, that mud pot. Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask you, if there's any of you here right now want to reach out to God's hand for help, I want you to come and stand here, and my wife will pray with you and pray for you. Don't be ashamed. The church has taught people to be ashamed that if there's something going on, a struggle or something wrong, that, that something's wrong with you. That's a lie of the devil. God is a healer. He came to set us free. God is not an abuser. Men and leaders and churches can be abusive. But God wants ministries of healing and help and wholeness. But we have to be willing to be bold and stand in a safe place. This is a safe place. And if you come and stand and say, I need help, I want God to help me, he will. This will be the beginning. So I want to ask you, be courageous, be bold, take a step of faith. We love you. We are not looking down on you. We are looking at you with co-laborers with Christ as we need healing ourselves and we know our Lord, our Savior lives. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is your Savior. And so I want to ask you, if you want to reach out your hand of, and, and take God's hand of help right now, this day, I want you to stand and I want you to come. And my wife is going to pray with you. And again, we have to take the first step. We have to take the first step. And so you just come and make a line right over here. Break free from the, the hindrances and the lives of the church, especially. It's not the world that suppresses. It's false and wrong leadership that suppresses and hurts. The Lord has come that we may be set free. And we need to stand with each other and believe God for help and healing and wholeness. We're on a journey together. Amen. And we're going to believe God. And I'm going to ask my wife. God has anointed her as for a time such as this. He has imparted into her life and stirred her. And I pray over her every day that God will stir those giftings that he has put within her. That heart of compassion and love and mercy that is within her. That he would bring it forth. And I believe that she's anointed of God to help woman heal and be healed and be set free. This is a year and a season of captives, especially women. I believe it with all that is within me. God has been showing me this is a year that women are going to be transformed and set free like never before. It's a year of liberty and freedom. And we need to believe. Bury the shame. 
bury the guilt because it's not part of what God wants us to bear. God wants us to be healed and whole. And so I'm going to ask my wife to come and I want to ask her to just to lay a hand and you pray for each and every individual in this room. my wife continues to minister if you have ever been abused in your life at any point in time if there's been abuse as a child or even as an adult I want you to come because we need healing from all of past life's hurts if you've been in an abusive situation or relationship of any sort, whether you be a man or a woman, you come and allow God to heal. Abuse is destructive. Abuse destroys. Abuse hinders. And we need to come to the Lord. And say, Lord, that abuse that hurt me, I want you to heal me of it. That abuse that has hindered me from my walk with you, I want you to heal me from that. We have an enemy and a foe. And the more I stand as a pastor, the more I talk to other pastors and ministers, the more I hear, the more I see how rampant abuse is in this world and in the church, in the body of Christ. We have to stand up against abuse and fight it and curse it and destroy it and to tear down its hold upon people. And we need to bring forth healing and wholeness and restoration. There is no place for abuse in your life or in the body of Christ. None whatsoever. Abuse comes in many ways, in many shapes, in many forms. But we should never accept or tolerate abuse. We should never cover it. What a Savior, what a Lord we have. He wants to take us out of the mud hole and cleanse us and stand us up. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads.
I thank God as I've seen over the years I've seen the woman that have been healed and set free through Joybringer Ministries through with tender hand through the meetings in the Poconos through the women that contact her on the website there's story after story testimony after testimony of women who have been healed and set free and not only women but men men have been abused even by women and even by leadership in the church men are not exempt from abuse and that's why I want to challenge you men if you've been abused by a leader by a man by anything by an organization you need to be healed and set free of that abuse that you can let it go that you can bury it and see that abuse has been nothing but a hindrance and a blockage in your life like a clogged artery and it's got to be unclogged and set free and you got to trample it beneath your feet and saying I will not be abused but I am the healed of the Lord And I believe that in this year, 2008, with tender hand, is going to explode in ministry. We are going to see women set free like never before. With tender hand, ministry reaches through the internet, all countries. Women from all over the world have contacted her and have been ministered to and are being ministered to. And in our own neighborhood, I believe, in this area, we're going to see a mighty ministry open and explode. And captives are going to be set free. And right now, I just want to, again, believe with each one in this church for healing and wholeness. And we're going to sow, in one minute, we're going to sow into this ministry. Because I believe God has opened the door and it's time. It is time. And we're going to sow into this ministry of with tender hand that God will take it and open the doors wide. And I pray he will bring laborers to uphold her hands, to stand alongside of her. And help her bring forth all that God has shown her. All that God has put within her. We need to stand together. To destroy the works of the enemy and to set the captives free.
Lord, I pray your hand of blessing upon each individual standing here. Lord, that you work the work that only you can work in their lives and situations. You know each one, Lord. You know, Lord, their life. You know their situation. You know their circumstances. You know their past. You know their day today. And you know their future. And Lord, I just pray, as we heard, Lord, that you are, Mr. Help, helping us out of that mud pit. And Lord, you just don't help us out, but you cleanse us and you clothe us with fresh garments, Lord. And you walk with us on a journey of goodness and wholeness. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that that good work that you've begun in them right now, that you will continue to bring it forward. May each one be encouraged and emboldened to reach out and to receive the help that you so freely and generously set before us. I pray for everyone sitting, Lord, in, in this congregation. Lord, you know what life has thrown at them, Lord. And I just pray, Father, you deliver them from the hurts and the abuse of past days and times, Lord. But you open the door for them to walk through, Lord, to be abusive-free. Your word says that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And Lord, I thank you that in this house and in this day and in this time, it is your truth that sets us free, Lord God. But your word is alive. You are the liberator of our soul, the liberator of our spirit. Our lives are entrusted into your care, Lord. And we know that you're the shepherd and the bishop of our soul, watchful over our lives. for every good and wonderful purpose, Lord. When you knit us together in the womb, Lord, you, you knew, you knew, you knew all that we would walk through and face in this life. But you never forsaken us, Lord. You're always there running right at our side, Father, saying, here am I. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that with tender hand, you reach down and touch us and care for us. That your wonderful tender arms of mercy embrace us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these lives touched this morning. And in a moment, we're going we're gonna to take an offering. And we're going to pray. The house of the Lord is a place of healing.
and a place of wholeness. You heard my wife say she grew up in a church where everyone was fine and lovely and well and nothing was wrong with anyone. How sad. How sad. How sad a confession is that. We are a people that needs a touch of the Lord. We need healing and we need wholeness. The Bible said, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find. And you will find no hindrances in this work, but you'll find wide open doors to come and be healed, to come and be whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If our lives cannot be changed and touched in the house of God, where can they? We come to the house of the Lord to believe that we will meet with the living God. That his presence in our midst will transform and change our lives. And we should come into the house of the Lord knowing I come believing that not only does the Lord love me and care for me, but those in the household of the Lord care about me. Brother Dave, will you come forward? I want to ask you, this Sunday is Mission Sunday. And we want to sow right now into With Tender Hand Ministries, into Joybringer Ministries. A ministry focused on ministering to women in abusive relationships. But again, not just woman only, but to women. And as my wife says, that God is opening doors in every way. I see it. I've been praying for it. I've been praying for it for years. And this year, I've seen it come to the place where the doors are swung open. And now God is making everything fall in place. As she said, this, this man, Danny Holbrook, this artist, has been in contact with her and is willing to do a cover for her book. He said the Lord has put on his heart to give her a special price. He had no reason to say that. We did not ask. He just said, I prayed and the Lord has told me that I'm going to do this for you at a very reduced and special rate. 
And it's the Lord that touched his heart to do that. And we believe God for the publishers. And it's the beginning. It is the beginning. And so I ask you to sow to become part of this ministry of With Tender Hand, Joybringer Ministries. And with every woman that is healed, every woman that is touched, every life that is changed and transformed, you will be part of that. And so if you're writing a check, just put on the bottom with Tender Hand Ministries, Joybringer Ministries. Joybringer Ministries. If you're writing it out, write it out to Joybringer Ministries. Or if you wrote it out to Bloomsburg Community Church, just put for Joybringer Ministries. which is considered a home missions. So be blessed as you sow. Continue to pray for, for my wife and for the work that he's called her to do. Come up here, honey, just one minute. I just want to pray. Father, I just uh, thank you for this seed sown. For, for Joybringer Ministries, for With Tender Hand. And Lord, I pray you take this seed, make it fruitful, and multiply it, Lord. Give increase in every way, Lord. Let it be overflowing, Father. That there be a, an abundant supply, Father, to open doors and to bring forth the captives, Lord God. In Jesus' name, I thank you, declaring this is fruitful seed. For souls to be saved, the captives to be set free. Take it and multiply it, Father. It is a seed, Father. Oh, It is foundation seed, Lord God. And we just thank you as we believe you, Lord, for increase in every way, Lord. And I pray, Lord, over my wife. Father, right now, Lord, that you continue to anoint afresh and anew with a powerful and a mighty anointing upon her life, Lord. Take that which is within her, Lord, and stir it and bring it forth like mighty rivers of living water, Lord, gushing forth, Father, in Jesus' name. Give her, Lord, and show her, Lord God, the path set before her, Lord God. We just thank you for the open door. We thank you for support, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for those coming alongside of her, Lord, to uphold her hands and to be partakers in this work which you have shown her to do, Lord God. And so we thank you as we believe you for great things to take place for your glory and for your namesake in this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.